0: the cnbc app global market news in one place customizable sections and personalized alerts stocks tracking interactive charts and market insights all in your hands stay connected stay informed download the cnbc app today very good morning everybody welcome to squat box this monday morning nice to have you along uh, let's get into the headlines. Longer lockdowns. President Trump abandons his plan to reopen America by Easter, extending restrictions to April 30th, as governments across Europe also lengthen their lockdowns. The move spook markets, sending US futures into the red, while WTI briefly dips below $20 a barrel and bond yields push lower.
1: Elsewhere, the German finance minister Olaf Scholz says the European bailout fund, the ESM, is the right tool to share the economic burden of the pandemic, shooting down renewed calls for jointly issued coronavirus bonds. And here in the United Kingdom, warnings come that the lockdown could stretch out until June, with the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, saying measures could get stricter as he continues to self-quarantine here in Downing Street.
2: Unicredit puts its dividend and share buybacks on hold, becoming the first Italian bank to do so after the ECB tells lenders to halt payouts and boost their balance sheets until October.
0: So let's get you into these headline stories. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases globally has now risen above 720,000, while the death toll has climbed to almost 34,000. In Europe, Germany and France, they have extended lockdowns to mid-April, with both the countries looking to stem the spread of the infection. The number of deaths in Italy has fallen for the second straight day, but tough restrictions remain in place. Elsewhere, China says it has posted a drop in new cases for the fourth consecutive day as Beijing battles against a second outbreak of the virus. President Trump has extended the length of national guidelines such as social distancing until the end of at least April. This after the White House's leading infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, warned... Deaths in the United States from COVID-19 could reach as high as 200,000. President Trump also stepped away from a plan to lock down the state of New York, along with parts of New Jersey and Connecticut. He instead advised those in the region not to travel to prevent spreading the infection. Well, speaking at a news conference on Sunday, the president also walked back his goal of reopening the country in the next two weeks on Easter we
3: probably, they, well that could be a peak, that could be a peak period, that could be the peak, sadly to say, that could be the peak number of deaths before it starts coming down. No, that was aspirational, we had a, an aspiration of Easter, but when you hear these kind of numbers and you hear the potential travesty, we don't want to do anything where, you know, we don't want to have a spike up, we don't want to do it soon and then all of a sudden you go down, you're coming down and then you start going up again.
2: Let's take a look at market moves that have taken place over the last week or so. And what we're in for this week, stocks rebounded sharply last week. And that positive momentum seems to be filtering through to the futures. Uh, according to U.S. Futures, we are looking at a moder- modestly positive start to trade. The Dow, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ all pointing into positive territory. The question for global investors that this week will be whether the stimulus announced across the globe will be enough to offset the impact from the COVID-19 containment measures also in effect across the globe. And according to U.S. futures, uh, investors are taking a positive uh, a positive angle in the early stages of this week. Let's take a look at the yields that we're seeing across the globe here. Ten-year yields moved lower uh, across the board last week. We're looking now at a fairly mixed picture when we look from the U.S. over to Japan, to Germany, and here in the U.K. The ten-year guilt trading now at about 0.35%. Uh, last week, we did hear from Fitch Ratings that they lowered the UK's rating to double-A AA- minus from AA. That took place on Friday. Investors seem to be taking that news in stride. Let me just take you to the 10-year. The U.S. 10-year currently trading around 0.66%. Just over a week ago, the 10-year was trading uh, closer to 0.83%, so a substantial move lower in the 10-year Treasury. Let's take a look now at oil markets. We've seen a plunge in the price of oil over the last 24 hours or so. Currently, WTI trading down about 4.5%, just above the $20 mark, briefly dipping below that level as investors uh, try to assess the impact from the demand hit on energy markets and whether we will see a massive supply glut as a result of the downturn in demand we are expecting to see across the globe. Asian markets. Let's take a look at the overnight session. We are looking at some losses uh, in particular for the Shanghai Composite down about 1.6%. Those mainland Chinese stocks. Hang Seng also trading lower down about 1%. And over in Japan, the Nikkei 225 trading about 3.3% lower. SoftBank taking a particularly large hit in the Japanese markets. Now, in terms of what we saw last week, we saw a very, very strong rebound across uh, U.S. markets last week. You can see See the progression from Monday to Friday. The Dow posting its best week since 1938. But putting this into context with what we've seen over the last month, it is on pace for the worst month since 1998, so massive rebound last week, but still a very difficult month for U.S. markets. In terms of the currency markets, the dollar has also seen some pretty fascinating moves. Last week, the dollar index dropped more than 4%, its worst weekly performance since 1987. Now, a lot of questions around what drove the pullback in the dollar after the massive rally it had seen since March 9th. Some saying that it could be the Fed's currency swap lines, could be better risk appetite as we saw investors put their money back to work in equities, could be technicals. This is a key question for investors in the week ahead and we'll be discussing throughout the show. Jeff?
0: Well, let's go straight into that, Juliana. Thank you very much indeed for that. John Hardy joins us, head of FX strategy at Saxo Bank. And Steve is down in Downing Street this morning. Uh, Stay away from Boris Johnson, Steve, but we'll come back to you in just a second. Um, Let's get to John Hardy then, head of FX strategy at Saxo Bank. John, Juliana was talking about some of the reasons now attributed to the decline in the greenback in recent sessions. What
3: do you see? Well, I think if you, if you look at the dollar, it's the flip side of risk appetite. Here is uh, it's a necessary element to see global asset prices coming back is to see a weaker dollar. So the reason you're seeing the same the bounce in equities, the bounce in risk appetite, you're seeing a weaker dollar. And we saw if we look back at the previous cycle in 2008, 2009, that big dollar squeeze we saw as the world scrambled for dollar funding again, as we had this uh, contagion across asset markets. It was within the same week that the dollar peaked out and uh, global equity markets, or at least the U.S. equity market, bottomed. I think we'll see a A similar uh, situation this time around. If we've seen the bottom in markets, we've likely seen the top in the dollar. If not, then I think the dollar could go back towards its highs. I think the Fed is going to do everything it takes uh, and will eventually get there uh, in providing enough liquidity. And the dollar is is very strong.
0: Uh, John, I'm looking at a wall of the uh, Asian markets this morning. The Nikkei is off three percent, the Hong Kong market's down one percent and the Shanghai Composite is off one and a half percent. What bounce in risk assets are we discussing?
3: Well, not just a bounce of risk assets, but a sense that we're getting ahead of this credit contagion and stabilizing in terms of the outlook for, for credit, for insolvencies, uh, wherever the situation takes us. So I think it's early to call a, a call of whole bottom in the situation. I think it's going to depend on the nature of how we get through this COVID-19, uh, not just you know slowing down the case count, slowing down the death count, but how we sort of emerge from it on the other side. And that's the, that's the question that I, I just haven't seen any answers for. Uh, and, and you know, makes us cautious in trying to, to forecast anything in, in the short to medium term, because that is the, the underlying question here.
1: Yeah, and John, very good morning to you from Downing Street as well. Until we know more about the progression of the pandemic and the infection rate and the mortality rate, until we know we're getting on top of that, does any economic trade, any financial market trade actually make sense, uh, uh, apart from going to safe havens? Is it worth any of our viewers trying to put any money on the market uh, looking for some form of bounce until we know what's going on with the pandemic
3: itself? A great question I think uh, you know for those that were not fully exposed coming into this and that has some cash on the sidelines surely buying uh, periodically into into various investments is, is an, an approach but uh, uh, you know what, what tends to happen in the in these crises is, that, is the babies get thrown out with the bathwater and uh, you know the question is how low can things go before we see recovery but uh, uh, a great question I think uh, one of the safer trades uh, you know eventually will be to, to sell this US dollar because it simply has to go lower it's very strong. Eventually, get ahead of this. Uh, get ahead of this crisis. But uh, you know, in the meantime, look at something like the Norwegian Krone, the oil price. Uh, these things can get very, 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 uh, very extended and very extended beyond uh, arguably long-term fundamentals.
1: I think the problem is for a lot of our viewers who are looking at the equity market primarily, John, as well as their their risk asset of choice. They're looking at P.E. valuations, which just don't actually make any sense at the moment because, yes, you can see what the price is, but you have no idea what the earnings are three, six, 12 months down the line. So actually, the P.E. measure, which is normally a good barometer of where we are compared to history, compared to where we are with other markets, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense at the moment, does it?
3: No, it doesn't, and it goes back to what is. How do we? You know, we can all talk about lockdowns, and we can see case counts maybe stopping rising uh, in terms of new cases, in terms of testing. Uh, hope, you know, we all hope, of course, the death rates uh, slow down. But what is the nature and the speed of the recovery? How do we get out of this? What is the procedure from here? And and it's not going to be V-shaped. I think we all know that. But what form of L versus U is it going to be, and how quickly can we get back, uh, you know, back into a normal state of affairs? The risk is as well that in the meantime, all of the insolvencies, the unemployment, you know, that tends to unemployment tends to spike, and then it, it's much slower to recede uh, than was the case, and in, 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 you know, in the event of a recession. So, you know, these things take time. Uh, the authorities are moving as fast as they can, but the situation, uh, you know, the situation on the ground has moved even faster.
2: John, I want to ask you specifically about the euro. Uh, We know that European leaders are really in a gridlock at this point about how to proceed, whether we will see joint debt issuance finally agreed among the EU uh, eurozone leaders. Where do you think the euro goes if we do get agreement of that sort and if we don't?
3: A great question. We thought the uh, EU meeting last week, the video conference or video summit, was uh, was very disappointing, a bit spooky, if you will. Uh, For markets, I think uh, arguably in the long term, if you don't have debt mutualization, you cannot maintain uh, a single currency. But uh, you know, the ECB in the meantime is is uh, keeping things orderly with its market operations and violating its old rules around uh, the the capital key, uh, buying enough Italian bonds, for example, to keep those spreads lower. But you know, if they don't, they tend to the history tends to be that if the crisis gets bad enough, they they uh, close ranks and and uh, show solidarity. But uh, this needs to happen. If the ESM approach is uh, too much weighted on on extending credit and not enough on cash drops, enough on eventually moving towards something that resembles debt mutualization, then this tension is going to extend for a long time. Um, I think the more we get common fiscal, something that looks like debt mutualization and corona bonds, which seem to be ruled out on the one side by some of the uh, core countries and Netherlands, I think that's more your positive. But of course, if we're back into these existential questions that could be an an extreme euro negative at some point. I'm not not making the call here. I just, uh, you know, a bit spooked by the situation and we need to see uh, something uh, more productive uh, out of Europe in terms of uh, a common approach to getting to the other side of this crisis.
0: And John, just briefly on uh, Sterling here. Look, we've got Boris Johnson uh, sick. We've got some other members of the Cabinet sick. Uh, Steve is uh, suffering barely two degrees uh, above freezing outside Downing Street this morning. And yet there seems to be warming interest in the pound sterling. We're, we've had this phenomenal bounce and we're back just shy of 124 against the greenback. What's fueling this, even as um, we get ratings agencies like Fitch saying that they expect the UK GDP to shrink uh, 4% this year?
3: Well, the GDP is not going to be great anywhere. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, at this point in time, I'm calling it a very high beta movement to, uh, to the rest of the market. If you look at sterling versus the dollar, for example, the, the, the sell-off was, was very extreme relative to uh, a lot of other currencies. Uh, so a high beta move to what's going high beta on the downside, and now high beta on this recovery. So if you're going to tell me that the dollar has has, you know, has topped out, if we're moving towards recovery in global markets, I think sterling uh, could be very interesting from a valuation perspective and the long-term hopes, of course, of getting to the other side of this crisis. In the meantime, I don't see the structural fundamentals uh, looking great uh, for the UK here as long as we're mired in this period of uncertainty. So cautious optimism, but uh, I would you know, prefer to, to, wait, to wait, uh, wait a little while here before calling a turn on sterling. It is very cheap, let's, let's be clear, uh, for the longer term. But uh, I think we need to get to the other side of, uh, of all this before we start seeing a pretty significant and durable rally. John,
0: appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. John Hardy, the head of FX Strategy at Saxo Bank, with us from Copenhagen.
2: I want to bring you some fresh news from Sanofi. This is one of the companies working tirelessly to come up with a treatment against COVID-19. Sanofi has come out with an update on their clinical trial program saying that th- this is for the drug Kevzara, a drug that they have developed alongside Regeneron, the U.S. biopharmaceutical company. They said the first patient outside the U.S. has been treated in the global Kevzara clinical trial program. This is for patients with severe covid COVID-19. This is one of the key drugs, one of the key existing drugs that the healthcare community uh, thinks could have some promise when it comes to treating COVID-19. The Phase 2-3 trial was initiated in Italy, Spain, Germany, France, Canada, and Russia, and is currently enrolling patients immediately. Uh, They said the global clinical program uh, has now been initiated in these places, all which have been hit very hard by COVID-19. So we will be waiting uh, for these trials to to, to, to waiting for these trials to see if the um, drug will be an effective treatment it is still investigational it's not been evaluated by any regulatory authority but they are moving forward which is key Sanofi is also moving forward um, doing work with regards to finding a vaccine to prevent the disease but this is some encouraging news uh, when it comes to moving forward with these clinical trials to see if any existing drugs will be will prove effective in treating the virus
0: uh, boy don't we need some good news this morning there's a nice- of the bad stuff in the headlines so we thought we'd do something here um, play along if you'd like to play along this morning life continues of course for everybody albeit in a truncated way if you've been uh, locked indoors so uh, just to try and give you a little bit of a lift this morning we're going to play Monday motivation we're asking you to share your ways of managing the lockdown whether you are working from home or part of a key worker team Uh, We'd be happy to hear from you this morning. Send in your approach to this extraordinary situation. Uh, Maybe it's a board game, maybe you're just hanging out with your pets. Uh, That was one of the memes that uh, tickled me over the weekend. Bad news for humans, good news for dogs, who've been having a great time as their owners have been stuck indoors. Uh, You can reach us via Europe at cnbc.com, or you can tweet us at Europe. We'll be right back, everybody.
2: Welcome back to the program. The German finance minister has once again made clear that he does not consider joint eurozone debt the right economic solution to fight the impact of coronavirus. Olaf Scholz said the European stability mechanism, the ESM, was the right way to share this burden. This following repeated calls from other EU leaders to issue so-called Corona bonds. Anetta joins us now by phone. Anetta, so it looks as though the German authorities are not budging on their position when it comes to joint issuers. Give us the latest. What have we heard from Olaf Scholz? And also just an update on how things are going in Germany in terms of uh, coronavirus.
4: Yes, exactly. I mean, Olaf Scholz is just repeating the general line of the government. Angela Merkel also has said that some days ago that she thinks that the ESM is the right uh, mechanism which should deploy funds to uh, countries who need money, which need money. Um, They have a special instrument, which is called the Enhanced Conditions Credit Line, ECCL, which then can... Um, extend to a government if they need um, um, if they need money under certain conditions, and that would be the case, for example, for Italy because they're so badly affected by the coronavirus. Also for Spain, and um, that's a credit line which would last for two years, and then it needs to be repaid. That's the problem with that credit line, but also. Um, if you want more money of, if you activate the ECCL this enhanced condition credit line then this would enable you for the ECB's OMT, the outright monetary um, th- financing so that would uh, give you a large possibility to get financing through the ECB for a country. And that crisis mechanism is already in place, and that's why the German government is saying, listen, we should use that and not now, because the time is so difficult, come up with a new instrument. Also, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the commission, over the weekend in an interview, the German news agency, DPA was uh, reiterating that stance. So I guess the discussions among leaders are quite on that topic, which instrument is the best. Coming to where we stand for the coronavirus in Germany, um, by now um, more than or roughly 60,000 people are um, infected but the hospital capacities are still ample it seems at least according to reports and we're still flying in people from other countries who can be treated here in germany and um, when it comes to the death toll it just stands roughly at 500 people so it's still the mortality rate here in germany from that virus is still very low below one percent roughly at one oh point seven 0.7 percent With that i'm sending it back to you
0: Terrific, Aneta. Thank you for that. We'll catch up with you a little later on. French President Emmanuel Macron has vowed to support Italy and Spain as the death toll rises in both of those countries. Macron looked to reassure Italians over the weekend, telling local newspapers, quote, France stands with Italy as the country reported its highest number of coronavirus-related deaths in one day. The Spanish Prime Minister, Pedro Sanchez, has also called for strong cooperation between European nations to fight the ongoing pandemic amid divisions between EU leaders over how to pull their economies through the crisis. Let's pick up with Charlotte for more on that story and uh, Charlotte once again just like 2008 it feels as though the old buried fissures between the south and the north those countries with fiscal headroom and those peripheral economies that don't have it are starting to open up here.
5: That's right, but the argument from this country is that this is not 2008. This is not the failure of some countries to address uh, problems in their economies. This is an outside shock. And that's why they called for European solidarity. So we saw President Macron, as you mentioned, doing this bit of a PR exercise there in the Italian press, giving this interview to the three main newspapers there saying France stands with Italy and with Spain. Uh, also there was a bit of an exercise because we saw this aid coming from Russia and China and a bit of an anti-EU sentiment growing in Italy. And so Macron trying to swoop in there to say look there is solidarity from Europe we have sent masks that came after France you remember stopped all exports of protective gears, but have to then reverse this decision and say, look, we've sent masks to Italy, we're here to stand with them. And part of that solidarity, European solidarity, at Kiliman here, is what President Macron called budget solidarity. And of course, he's talking about Corona bonds that we just discussed with Aneta. Here, President Macron very much in favor of this. And that's also something that Pedro Sanchez, the Spanish prime minister, mentioned over the weekend, uh, while mentioning a stricter lockdown for the country that is still facing about more than 6,500 6, deaths uh, he, he said, even for a very pro-European country like Spain, and has been historically very supportive of the EU, Spain needs to see solidarity from Europe. And if in these time, difficult times of the epidemic, if not now, when? And this is what he said. Take a listen.
1: The answer cannot be only national. Consequently, it must be a European response. It has to be a response where we are all in the same boat, whether we're Dutch, whether we're Spanish, Portuguese, Italian or German.
5: Well, There was Pedro Sánchez, the Spanish Prime Minister, calling for solidarity this time of epidemics, so if not now. When And that also echoes what we saw from the Spanish Foreign Affairs Minister tweeting uh, last week the Dutch finance minister who very much uh, echoed the voice from his country saying they were against corona bonds, uh, again mentioning having this uh, feeling of 2008 saying, oh, that's because these countries didn't reform enough. And the, the, the Portuguese Prime Minister came out saying this was pettiness. And so the Spanish um, Foreign Affairs Minister tweeted uh, the, the Dutch finance minister, comparing the EU to the Titanic and saying we've all hit the iceberg, this is not 2008, this is 2020, we all hit the iceberg, there's no first or second class passengers. We all need a common solution here and Corona Bonds is the way, uh, budget solidarity is the way to see us through this crisis and also to rebuild after this crisis. So here, the tension here between the North and the South, but also France and President Macron very much calling for this, the tension within the Eurozone on whether Corona Bonds is a solution to help uh, the, the EU and President Delors, the, the former commission president, Monsieur Delors, who's been very quiet and one of the key builders and uh, architects of the EU, also saying this is very much a life or death issue for the EU. This is an existential moment. And so all these voices here coming together and say the solution for these countries is corona bonds.
2: Charlotte, thank you so much for bringing us the latest uh, there. From Spain, Charlotte Reed, uh, one of our reporters. Now, Italy will see its virus infection rates start to decline in 10 days, according to the country's deputy health minister, Pier Paolo Sileri, who has recovered from the virus himself. The shift in outlook comes as the total number of confirmed cases in Italy rose by over 5,000, the lowest increase since Wednesday. However, the country suffered another 800 new deaths on Saturday.
0: Unicredit is putting dividends and share buybacks on hold following the European Central Bank's instructions for banks to preserve cash to support the economy. The ECB said on Friday, European banks should avoid payouts to shareholders until at least October. The board of Unicredit had proposed a dividend of 63 cents per share and buybacks of up to 467 million euros. Italy's largest bank said it may choose to revisit the same proposals in October, depending on how the pandemic develops. Thank you for listening to Squawk
1: Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
5: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on
0: CNBC.